0: Two skeletons found in a forest full of mysteries. And then we take a look at Bloody Mary. Urban legend? Vengeful spirit? Psychological game for young girls? Or is the truth somewhere in between all three of those? We'll find out today on Dead Rabbit Radio. (laughs) Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you're having a great day too. I'm still feeling really lazy. I woke up about... Hey, let me check my clock. I woke up about five, six hours ago and have just kind of been putting around. Putting around. You know what I think it is too? I started playing this video game again. I really think, and I can't speak for everyone's experiences with video games, but for me, video games seem to really sap my enthusiasm to do other things. It's like a Flash game. It's this card game called Elements that I play on the internet. It's like a free browser-based game, and it just like, ugh. I mean, I enjoy it, but I think it saps my energy, so I think I have to take a break from it for a while. We got a lot to talk about today, though. We have a lot of stuff to talk about today. First story is a story that I have dubbed... Forest Child Skeletons, because I didn't really come up with a good title, but let's see if I can come up with a better one now. I will call, I'll be like the Crypt Keeper, I'm going to call this story, Sticks and Bones. (laughs) We're going to Vancouver. We're going to Canada. Specifically, we're going to a little forested area known as Stanley Park. Or as I like to call it. (laughs) No, I'm just joking. We're going to Stanley Park, Vancouver. The year is 1953 and there are two hikers moving it's funny because hikers i don't think i'd ever want to be like a professional hiker because they always stumble across bodies whenever you read these stories about bodies being found it's like two hikers are in the wood one hiker was in the wood a group of hikers eh, why be a hiker this is like just part of you're hiking to enjoy nature not to find little skeletons but anyways these hikers find little skeletons and the chi- children's skeletons to be precise they're not just like adult humans that have shrunk they're actually children's skeletons which makes it sadder bunch of little bones and then to make it even more sad they had like aviator helmets oh like they were pre- playing playing like pretending to be like pilots and stuff they had like little kid clothes little helmets like, they were probably out, like, being like, now nah, this is what I call pod racing. What's that mean? I don't know. But wee! And they're just, like, having fun. And then they died. Terrible. Terrible. Both bodies, too. And so the first thing you would think, well, maybe it was an accident, but both bodies were covered up by a raincoat. So whoever left the bodies there, like, so, well, I, somebody left the bodies there. It's not like two kids in Aviator helmets were running around in the woods. They both tripped on a log and broke their necks and just died. Somebody left them there. When the cops get there, that's the scene. Two skeletons, two little skeletons, two little aviator helmets. So that's heartbreaking. And a raincoat covering them and a single woman's shoe. Now, obviously, this becomes a big story because, obviously, the age of the victims plus the mystery of it, like, how did this happen? It's not like they two kids fell out of a bus and got ran over. It was like, we got these two skeletons. We got to figure out what's going on. And they're they're little skeletons, little little kid skeletons. So they look at the skeletons, they observe it, and they go, one skeleton's a boy, and one skeleton's a girl. So the police, I mean, this was a huge effort. This is back in 1953, if I didn't say that already, 1953. So the police are going basically through every missing case where there is a brother and a sister or a boy and a girl. They can't find anything they're talking to people who are at the park that day and people are like yeah you know i did see like a woman and two boys go into the woods so then they would try to track down this woman and she'd be like oh no they're right here here's heckle and jekyll my sons like they every lead was a dead end but they looked for years to try to solve this case so they're thinking okay these kids probably died. It's 1953 we found the bodies. They're the skeletons. We have this raincoat, this shoe, and these aviator hats. We think the crime probably took place within like a year or two of us finding the bodies. We think that that's our goal. So that was kind of where their their window was for looking for missing kids. They started going to schools and saying, do you have any kids missing in the area? And people are like, well, you know, we got tardy kids, but we don't really have a boy and a girl missing. This went on for a long long time now stories were like people witnesses would come to the police and they would tell a story and the cops would be like that doesn't fit the window that we're looking in that doesn't we don't think the crime happened then because otherwise they're just people are going to be like yeah two egyptians were running through the woods like you have to have like a window but then two things came up two things popped up that kind of made the cops go uh we probably could have handled this a bit better In 1998, they do a DNA test. So DNA is now readily available. They do a DNA test. They find out that it's not a boy and a girl. It's two half-brothers. They're both boys, and they both have the same mom. So now the cops are like, every time we investigated a boy and a girl was basically a waste of time. And then, I don't know why it took them so long to figure this out. and, And then they figured out that the shoe, the woman's shoe, was only sold before World War II. So now they're like, we really, like... Screwed the pooch on this thing. And what's interesting is one of the reports they got when they were looking into this case. A couple came to the cops and said, you know what? We were at that park back in 1944. And the cops immediately were like, ah, oh, that's too far back. But go ahead and tell your story. They said, we were at that park in 1944. And we saw a woman. We're just hanging out, hiking, <laughs> doing our thing. A woman runs out of the bushes, screaming crying uncontrollably, just runs past them. And they said, we thought it was weird for multiple reasons, not just that an adult woman came screaming out of the bushes. We thought she needed help, but she just kept running. But they said it was also weird because the weather was really bad. She didn't have a coat on. And we noticed she only had one shoe. So is it possible that they saw the woman who had murdered? Most likely, if they're half-brothers, most likely they were killed by their mother. And that was the woman who was leaving the scene. Did they did they catch a glimpse of the murderer? Were they there the day those two little boys got murdered, and their bodies just were laid there somewhere in the forest for nine years before they were discovered? Or was it just happenstance? Was it just some some she screams through everywhere? She like she runs to Best Buy with no jacket and one shoe, just screaming. Is this is it two totally separate events? The thing is, nobody knows. It's still considered an unsolved mystery. Here's what's creepy. Most likely, that woman went on to live a fairly normal life. Went to church, met another man, got pregnant, had another kid. Like, this woman, unless she ran straight off and jumped into a river and they never found her body, this woman most likely reintegrated herself into normal human society. And the whole time she was sitting at PTA meetings or making cookies for her new kids or lying on her own deathbed, 30 years later, surrounded by her family, she knew she left two boys to rot in the middle of the forest next to their aviator helmets. Absolutely bizarre. And nobody else would have ever known or ever guessed in her normal life that she could commit such a barbaric act. She just lived on. As those boys were exposed to the elements, slowly decayed and just became two unknown skeletons lost in the woods. So on that happy note, on that cheery note, let's go ahead and move on to the story of Bloody Mary. Now, I started talking about Bloody Mary a bit yesterday because I forgot what topic I was covering. But let me go over that again briefly. You know, Bloody Mary... I think I have a... I don't necessarily have a love-hate relationship with her. I think it's more of like a love-scare relationship with her. I think depictions of Bloody Mary in movies... She's always kind of hot, actually. Now, I'm talking about, like, Urban Legends Bloody Mary, that movie, where she's obviously, like, in... She died in college. I'm not talking about the... Stories where she's like a creepy little girl like Samara, but I don't know, they've always depicted her as kind of like this edgy goth teen hanging out in your bathroom. I can almost imagine, I can smell the clove cigarettes while I'm in there. Like just some sort of like edgy chick, which I've always been kind of into. But maybe that's why I get that. Maybe it's from my fascination with Bloody Mary. I've personally never done Bloody Mary, just like I've never used a Ouija board. The last thing I want, the last room I want haunted in my house is my bathroom. That is where... I go to kind of chill. And it's funny, even though I live by myself, bathroom's a very relaxing spot. When you live with someone else, the bathroom is the most relaxing spot in the house. But even when I'm by myself, like the bathroom's very relaxing. That's the last place I want haunted. One, for that, because I want to be able to chill out of my bathroom. Two, the last place I want a ghost to get me is in a shower, where I basically no longer have the ability to fight. I can fight in every room in my house. Except a shower, because it's all wet and slimy. Well, probably shouldn't be slimy if I washed it more often, but you know, it's wet. Anyone can beat you up in a shower. I don't care who you are. Okay, maybe that guy from Eastern Promises could hold his own in a shower, but I wouldn't be able to. I'd much rather have a ghost attack me. Here's the rooms that I want to get attacked by ghosts in. A living room would be cool, because I'm fairly familiar with it, and it's surrounded by weapons. I got something, I got like a box knife to my right there. I have a club down to my left and I see an umbrella in the corner and I have a whole wall of sticks and clubs and baseball bats by the door because self-defense. So I'm pretty cool in my living room. My bedroom, I don't have a big problem with fighting ghosts in my bedroom, but I would hate to be sleeping and a ghost start messing with me because then it's going to be able to get in that first strike. Like at least in the living room, I'd start to see stuff levitate towards me or light bulbs go out and stuff like that. And I'd be like, it's here. And then I could start grabbing my weapons and start flailing at nothing, hoping to hit something. And then in the bedroom, it would suck, though, because it's pretty much going to get first blow. Usually when I'm in the bedroom, the light's off, so it's going to have an advantage to the dark. I've thought a lot about this, you can tell. I wouldn't want to fight a ghost in my kitchen, only because if a ghost can turn lights on and off and turn faucets on and off, it would make sense it would be able to turn the stove on and off. So it could just turn the stove on when I'm not looking, when I'm washing my dishes. And then it just punched me once and I fall on the grill. And I'm like, ah, ah, I mean, again, like a ghost could push me over in my living room and I'm pretty good. Maybe it could levitate like a knife to come after me. But I think I'd be pretty, pretty well able to like block a knife, a flying knife through a ghost, not saying like Chuck Norris with a knife, but I would see it coming unless I guess it was floating behind me. But I think I'd hear like, ooh, this is coming through the air. But if it just turned on my stove, or what if I didn't know my stove was on, and I go, I just lean on my stove like an idiot. I I put my hand down. I put a can of that, you know, that that spray you put on, what's that stuff called? The grease? I have this butter-flavored grease I spray my frying pan with so stuff doesn't stick to it. I stuck that can on a grill on my stove the other day. And I go, that is probably the dumbest thing I could have done. Like, anything could have accidentally happened, I could have turned this on and blown up. But, anyways, I don't want to fight a ghost in my kitchen. Definitely don't want to fight a ghost in my bathroom. That's a long-about way of saying that's one of the reasons why I've never done Bloody Mary. Oh, basement would be terrifying to fight a ghost in two, but luckily I don't have a basement. Because they would just grab you as you are walking down the stairs. Just hand would come out. And, again, first strike. You want to have first strike when you fight a ghost, is what I'm saying. But, anyways, don't want to haunt my bathroom. The story of Bloody Mary, it's funny because nobody knows where this legend comes from. It kind of just popped up in the consciousness of America, and it's fairly worldwide at this point. But the farthest they can really trace it back is the 1950s. Now, before that, there was a, they think that it was related to an old parlor game, which is a way that a young woman could tell who she was going to get married to, or if she's going to get married at all. This was an old game. This is hilarious. This is an old game from the early 1900s. So it it would make sense that if it started off in, say, 1910, by the 1950s, it had evolved to Bloody Mary. The 1900s, they would tell a young girl, Hey, you want to know who you want to marry? And they're like, Oh, yes, I do, I do, I do. Okay, so you have to walk up a flight of stairs backwards. Okay, that's doable. In the dark... Holding a candle and a mirror. I I think the end result of the game is it's Darwinian. That any girl who's dumb enough to do this game doesn't pass on her genes to other people. Because walking up the stairs backwards in the dark is hard enough. Carrying open flame, not a good idea while you're doing it. But they say if you walk backwards up the staircase holding a candle in the dark. And look in the mirror. You'll see one of two things. Either a man will appear behind you, and you'll be like, oh, My true love. Oh, my heart's aflutter," Or you see a skull behind you, and that means you will die before you find your husband. And then I'm assuming shortly after that, you just fall down the stairs and catch on fire. So that was an old game that was played. Mirrors have had a long history of being used in fortune-telling. There's been superstitions with mirrors, obviously, break a mirror, seven years, bad luck, but supposed to cover up mirrors in the presence of dead people so their souls don't get trapped in the mirror, things like that. But from that old superstition about walking backwards upstairs, we don't really see any evolution of it, even if it's even connected. What we see is the story of Bloody Mary popping up in the 1950s. For those of you who are unfamiliar with it, for those of you who are four years old and never heard the story of Bloody Mary, tons of origins, but these are pretty much the basics. You go into a darkened bathroom, have a candle, or not... But the candle helps with the actual illusion. We'll talk about the science in a second. But anyways, if you go into a dark bathroom with the light off and you say, Before I say this, I hope you're not listening to this podcast in your bathroom with the light off. Just just putting it out there. If you're in the bathroom with your light off and you say, Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary. You will see Bloody Mary standing in your mirror. So now she's looking at you from the mirror. Now, there are a lot of variables. That's kind of the basic overview. There is a lot of variables. Sometimes, you say it three times, she appears behind you. So you are looking at your reflection in the mirror, and you don't see her in the mirror. You see her standing behind you. Sometimes, she comes out of the mirror. Sometimes, she attacks you, claws your eyes out, mutilates you, or you simply vanish. These are all variations of it. Sometimes, she possesses you. Sometimes she replaces you, which I don't know if there's much of a difference there i that would i think and the Bloody Mary really is a game for young girls. You do see guys play it from time to time, but it really is a game for young girls, and I think it's because it i I believe it did come from the original walking up the stairs backwards game, and I think that it's primarily a game that girls play, and that's why some of the stuff plays into things like It possesses you, replaces you. If I got possessed by Bloody Mary, she would be sorely disappointed with her life. She's like, I went from an eternal realm of malevolence to this. And she's like, damn it, she's like cleaning up my apartment. She's scrubbing my dishes. She's like, Jason said he washed his dishes on his podcast. He doesn't wash his dishes. She's like, oh my God, he sleeps in this bed. She would be sorely disappointed. And if she replaced me, that would be even more bizarre because then she would come out of the mirror as me? Like, if figure possessed me, she goes into my body, but is it like a shallow howl thing, where if she comes out of the mirror, does she, is my body gone, and she's people see her as me? Again, she'd be sorely disappointed. This These are the different variations of the story, and there's also different ways you can summon her. You can say Bloody Mary three times, or sometimes you have to say it 12 times, which I would just get bored at that point. I'd be like, ah, Bloody Mary. You can say... I killed your baby, Bloody Mary. Ooh, that's a little harsh. That's a little rough. That's, a, that's, that's, uh, I didn't hear that version until I researched this story. I killed your baby, Bloody Mary. Uh, that's, that's, that's like telling a Yo Mama joke to a cryptid. Like, that's really deep. Or, here's an odd version. There was, it's funny, actually. I think this is... Cond because they don't know how old the Bloody Mary story is. But apparently, back in 1787, there was a Scottish poet named Robert Burns who mentioned Bloody Mary, so uh, the history's real wonky on this. He says you can summon her by holding a candle, looking in a mirror, and eating an apple. So, that's weird. Like, why an apple? I, I mean, I guess in, all of it's bizarre. All of it's bizarre, but it, it's such a biz- like. To me, that's a, such a weird detail. And the fact that this Scottish poet was doing this, probably like, gee, that seems like, the, and it's funny because I've talked about this before, with rituals, how did they figure out it was th- what phrase to say three times or 12 times or whatever? How you couldn't accidentally say, ah, bloody Mary, ah, bloody Mary, ah, bloody Mary. And then you wouldn't be something you discover on accident. And a ritual would have, like, you, what if you only said it one time? What if you only said it two times? I can imagine somebody accidentally eating an apple with a candle in front of a mirror. I think that is something that was probably quite common back in the day. I could see someone accidentally walking into a dark bathroom in 1787 going, where did I put my, f-? not my cell phone, because I don't know this, where did I put my leather-bound book? And then he takes a bite out of an apple in the bathroom and he looks up and there's a girl. I could see that accidentally happening. But I don't think anyone has ever accidentally walked into a bathroom going, I killed your baby, Bloody Mary, and then a ghost popped out. So that's why I'm always a little suspicious of rituals. But that's another way you can do it, apparently. Have a candle, eat an apple in a dark bathroom. Some people say that Bloody Mary is based on Mary I, who killed a bunch of Protestants, and, interestingly enough, she lost a lot of children, and they think that's why the I killed your baby, Bloody Mary, is a reference to her specifically. Some people believe it refers to Elizabeth Bathory, the, known as the Queen of Blood, who sacrificed a bunch of, supposedly sacrificed a bunch of virgins and bathed in their blood and stuff like that. She believed it would make her eternally young. We'll probably do another story on that, but she's fairly well-known. They made a movie about her starring Freaky Muniz, so it's like, I don't know if I'm going to cover that, but she's one of the origins, supposedly, of Bloody Mary, The other one is a woman named Mary Worth, which, depending on which legend you you hear, she was either a witch killed at the Salem Witch trial, or the version that I always heard of Bloody mary. so the the we've kind of talked about all this stuff. The version I heard of Bloody Mary was this: There was a young woman who was super vain growing up. She was basically one of the plastics. She was the hottest chick. In town. She's super vain, but she suffers some sort of horrible accident. I think it had something to do with a ghost turning on her stove and she fell on it. But she suffers some sort of horrible accident. Her loved ones wouldn't let her see her newly disfigured face because they knew she would go into shock. So they covered up all of the mirrors in the house. But she, curiosity got the best of her, and apparently she just couldn't feel her lumpy, deformed face. Curiosity got the best of her one night when everyone was asleep. She walked, this, again, this is what I heard as a kid. She walked into one of the rooms, and not just any room, a bathroom with a mirror, and she took the cover off, and she saw her hideous face, and then she jumped into the mirror. This story terrified me as a kid, by the way. She jumped into the mirror, and she vowed to uh, kill anyone who ever mentioned her name or something like that like i remember i think i first heard the story of bloody mary when i was like six and it terrified me but again i was like oh she's kind of hot like not the disfigured part but and i always terrified me it was a very big game growing up when i was a kid in the 80s that there was this girl in the mirror that if you went in the bathroom and said bloody mary three times she would uh, the version story i heard was she would come out and she would claw your eyes out for looking at her there was a story that i always heard growing up So I never did it. I had a bunch of friends do it and stuff like that. Totally terrified me. And a lot of times when they tell that story, the girl in that story's name is Mary Worth. Now, it is a true urban legend. It seems like every neighborhood has their own version of this story. How it works, who to call, not how it works, how to call her, what she does to you. But there are the, there are certain elements that are always the same. One, it's always a young woman. It's always a girl. It's never a man, I, other than Candyman, which you wouldn't know if that's fake. I, Not like Bloody Mary's real. Well, she might be, but it's always a young woman. There's always a mirror involved. Those are, seem to be the two elements that are always the same in America, because we're going to go to another example here, and then I'm going to wrap this all up. I know this sounds really rambly, but there is a hypothesis that the nerds have put out. The, you know, nerds just can't let anything just be weird and wacky. Bunch of nerds got together and they said there has to be a psychological reason why Bloody Mary is so prevalent in American society. They said as they smoked their pipes, not noticing the smell of clove smoke coming from their bathroom. As Bloody Mary can't wait to hear what they have to say. They say, "Bathroom is a this is I'm not making this up. I came across this a couple different times in my research. The bathroom is a place where a lot of girls have periods, and the blood is mysterious." And it's this time of transition, and they're scared, and it means they're becoming an adult, and that is why Bloody Mary takes place in bathrooms and involves blood. Like, thanks, okay, nerds, you can leave the room now. It's time for everyone else to hang out. Like, I get that they want to try to explain that away. But that really seems like a stretch to me. I'm sure somebody got like that was their dissertation or something on like the origin of Bloody Mary and the psychological effects on young women and going through puberty. I'm sure that that was somebody's big brouhaha. Like that was somebody's big like moment to come up with this theory. But I don't really think it holds water. Now, to be fair, I don't know much about women's period. Actually, that's not true. I did have to take take a class in college and we discussed the history of menstruation, but. I, I, it just doesn't wash for me. It just doesn't, that theory doesn't wash for me. It seems like they're overreaching it. I think that it is. Kids don't like bathrooms anyways. It's the one room in the house where you, I mean, you kind of have a love-hate relationship with bathrooms because it's the one room in the house where you kind of have a little bit of peace and quiet. But it's also the one room in the house where you are always alone and it's always lit differently than the rest of the house. It's generally a little bit cleaner than the rest of the house, in my experience at least. It has a different it doesn't a, a bathroom seems removed from the house and i think as as an adult you kind of you kind of get it you kind of get that it is a different room it doesn't have all the carpeting and all of the same comforts that every other room has but as a kid it seems like an alien room it seems like a room that is simply there as opposed to everything else in your house has kind of warm and comfy and stuff like that and bathrooms are very cold and sterile And I think that's the reason why it takes place in the bathroom is because it is an alien environment to everything else you're pretty much used to. It's also really hard to keep warm in there. Like there's just a lot of factors that make bathrooms kind of creepy, but the, the lighting is always really stark too. There's usually one light, you shut it off, you're in pitch black. When you're in other rooms, you can shut a light off. There's light coming from the hallway and things like that. So this is the question really. Oh, and let me tell this real quick here. I do want to say this here real quick, and then I'll wrap it up, because the episode's running a little bit long, but... The story of Bloody Mary, as far as I know, is mostly based in the United States. However, other countries have their own versions of it. And the one I found that was really fascinating was they have one in Japan. Now, of course, Japan has to be weirder than everybody. Japan has Hanako-san, or Tori no Hakosan, which means Hanako of the Toilet. The last place you want to be trapped as a ghost is in a bathroom. I covered a couple episodes back, there was the ghost of a little boy trapped in a women's Burger King bathroom. I've actually discovered many more ghosts trapped in bathrooms. We'll be covering those later. But not only is this ghost trapped in the bathroom, her name, like we have Bloody Mary, they have Hanako of the Toilet. It's in your name that's gross. Anyways, briefly, she was either killed in a World War II air raid, tragic, or just murdered just murdered by a psychopath. I mean that's equally tragic but it doesn't have that historical importance. If you go onto the if you go into a school or a office building or something like that. You go to the 3rd floor and then go to the 3rd stall in a girl's bathroom. You knock 3 times and say they'll say are you hanako-san? And then you hear a voice go, I'm here. And then you open the door and there's a little girl in a red dress. Or See, even they have variations in their legend, which I always think is interesting. And it's really based on which province, which area of Japan you're hearing the story from. Either you open the door, there's a little girl in a red dress sitting on a toilet, which would be terrifying. Or, so that happens, or a bloody handprint will appear on the door. (gasps) I, I would much prefer that versus a girl, a little ghost girl sitting on a toilet. Or a white hand will reach out from underneath the stall and grab you. Ugh. That's creepy. Or you open the door and there's a three-headed lizard that eats you. Out of those, I would much prefer uh, anything but the white hand. That to me seems... The white hand and the little girl sitting there seem the creepiest. the three-headed lizard ate me, at least I'd be like, this is a death. That maybe only eight other people on the planet will have. I am honored to be your food. Like I could, I'd be fine with that. Versus the other two horrifying images. But here's 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 why you stuck around with me so long, ranting about urban legend. Is Bloody Mary real? I think she can be, in the sense. And we've talked about things like hypersigils before, where belief can create reality. We've talked about tulpas recently. I am, a long time ago, I made a reference to something called a Igor, or an Ergor, where it's a thought form that is created by mass consciousness. I honestly believe that so many people believe in Bloody Mary, that she can be real. That if she wasn't, if, if there wasn't a vengeful spirit living in a bathroom mirror before 1950, there most likely is one now. Bloody Mary is the queen of ghosts. Bloody Mary is the first ghost story most people hear. And they fear her all their life. And then maybe they played the game when they were kids. And they heard something after they did the ritual. They heard a knock or something fell over. Or they saw some distortion in the mirror. Which actually, if you stare at a mirror long enough, and this is the science part, real science. If you stare at a mirror long enough... You, Your brain will start to try to make patterns and detect movement where there is none. And you will see your own face start to sh- uh, shape shift. Your eyes will get big. Your mouth will move. You'll look monstrous. That is a, at least science says, that is a visual trick that is easily replicated. Either in no light or very, very low light. If you stare at something long enough, you will start to see it move and distend and things like that. And they say it's very easy. It's totally easy to explain. You can replicate it. Bloody Mary or not, look at your reflection in dark room. You will see your face start to move. It's a known principle. It's basically the equivalent of seeing uh, shapes and clouds. Or actually, maybe you're probably seeing a ghost. But, you know, the, the point is, uh, my point is this, is that you're an adult. You believed it when you were a kid. And maybe you tried it, maybe you didn't. Maybe you heard kids who tried it. And yeah, and then I saw Bloody Mary stand behind me and I ran out of the bathroom. And that fear sits on you and you go i'm never going to do it maybe you did it and you saw something behind you you had a bit of that trick of the light and you ran out of the room crying or maybe you didn't and you didn't see anything and you think it doesn't exist she's not real but you continue to no matter what as a child you continue to hear stories of bloody mary throughout your childhood and then you end up having kids and one day, your kids are talking about Bloody Mary. Like, no, I don't want to do that. And you're like, what are you talking about? And they're like, my big trying to he's trying to make me do Bloody Mary, but I don't want to do Bloody Mary. And you're trying to like, get this fight resolved between your two idiot children who are trying to force each other into a dark bathroom. And you're mad because this is a stupid argument, but in the back of your head, you remember that fear. And it lives and it lives on. And it is something that is so universal that you can say, if you tell somebody, if you mention Bloody Mary to some people, and they may go, yeah, the cocktail. But in the back of their mind, they have that vision of that young girl standing in that mirror. I don't care. It's one of those things that is completely universal. And I think there is so much focus and so much belief And more importantly, so much fear in this entity, it exists. And if it doesn't, in the sense of quote-unquote Bloody Mary, Mary Worth disfigured face or whatever legend you have, any demon or ghost worth its salt, they hate salt, but any demon or ghost worth its not-salt alternative, would assume that form because they know how much people fear it. If she didn't exist before the 1950s, if she didn't exist, if the story's not true, and it's probably not, it probably started off as an urban legend, but now, today, she is or something else is ready for you to say those words or to eat that apple in a dark bathroom. And if you don't believe me, try it yourself tonight. Deadrabberadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebookcom deadrabbitradio Twitter is at Jason O'Carpenter. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.